Frank, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. So, what I run through every time with every guest is a bit of a backstory, a bit of a history, just to introduce yourself to, I guess, anyone who's listening. And I know you played footy, rugby uh, in the past. You can go back to there or you can even go back before there if there is a history and doesn't even need to be um, just about fitness but just more of a backstory so take it away sure yeah so um, yeah I've my history with sport and training it's a pretty long one um, from when I was about five I used to play rugby league um, for the Guildford Owls back when I lived out in Greystains yep. and um, just to be fair actually the first sport I ever played was soccer um, but I used to rugby tackle my teammates. So the coach was like, we love your son, but please put him in rugby league. So Wait, you tackled him? Yeah, I would, I would just tackle my teammates and the opposition and then try to pick up the ball as a four-year-old. So it was clearly in the wrong sport, despite my Italian genes. And um, so, yeah, my dad took me to rugby league and I just kind of never looked back since. Um, I wasn't like a superstar athlete or any of these kids that you see today that are freaks of nature in terms of what they can do with the ball um you know i spent times in lower divisions like i'd be on the field plucking grass out of the ground because i was just there to have a good time yeah and it probably wasn't until i was about 11 or 12 and that i started growing into my size and actually developing um some skills and that a coach from another local team uh, was like, for the Hills District Bulls, said, hey, do you want to come play for us? And I went to school with the coach's son and I'd never been asked to play for another team before, so I thought, why not? And then from then onwards, that's probably where my rugby league journey took off. So you got requested? Yeah, but just from like a local coach. It wasn't mm. like a, a scout or anything like that. I went to school with the kids, so it was... It was and he was a great guy. He's a great guy today still. Um, but... Yeah, I think from then that's when I kind of really started to pay attention. But I don't know. It's I always think about my rugby league journey as hanging on to the side of a rocket ship. You know what I mean? In the sense I didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. But I was just a kind of along for the ride. Yeah. And just by circumstance and a little bit of hard work, I feel like I was able to make good enough connections to the point where, yeah, I was getting noticed someone said this kid's got a bit of ability and I think when I was about 13 or 14 that was when I first got approached by Parramatta to come into their system in the juniors really yeah what that was the um what was their name well then it was the development squad and they picked like I don't know like 150 kids from all around the district and then they whittled it down to like 50 or something or 75 I can't really remember yeah but it was cool, you know, you're a kid, you get to wear the Parramatta shirt that, as a Parramatta fan, for me, was a massive deal. But, again, didn't really know what was going on. I was just kind of turning up. Rocket ship? Yeah, exactly, just a rocket ship thing. And then I uh, remember that they had these trials, which I said in air quotes, <laughs> mm. um, at the end of the year when I was uh, 14 turning 15 for the Howard Matthews comp. Mm. And I... I didn't really even know what Howard Matthews was. Even as a rugby league fan. That's Howard Matz, right? Yeah, Howard Matz. That's all I know of this. Yeah, Yeah, so that's like... uh, It's like the first foray into representative football as a kid. 
And again, I didn't know what it was. I just thought we were trying out for the development squad. And I would just go to the trial and not think anything. Oh, just another game of football. Yeah. And then, sure enough, that was when I was 14 turning 15. And then I went to the 15 turning 16. And then that was the proper Howard Matthews trial. And they had, I remember they had four trials. And um, there was like, if you were in the first trial, you weren't really a chance. They just kind of bring you down to see what was going on. If you were in the third trial, they had some interest in you. Second trial was like, there's a good chance you could make it. First trial was like, these guys are all going to play. Really? And that's where... Wait, first trial? Yeah, the, or the, the last trial. Sorry. Oh, last one, yeah. Last trial. And then that was where the... And you uh, had to do everyone. Well, some kids did. Some kids oh. played in that very first trial match, and then they wanted to see more, so they bring them across, and they bring them across again. And then wow. I, I was there with a friend of mine, and he played in every trial that day, and still didn't get picked. So. Oh, really? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty brutal for him. But well, when did I, you get picked in? I think I actually, if I remember correctly, was picked in the second trial. Okay. And then played in the third, and then played again in the last. And then made the train-on squad. Wow. Yeah. So it was a very surreal kind of experience. I was like, this is so different to um, being in the development squad. Because development's all about passing the ball, learning how to tackle. Just kind of very basic, but like fundamental stuff. Yeah. And then, again, still not really realizing what's going on. Um get thrown into preseason. there there's a hundred kids they've got to cut it down to 35 and it was nothing like I'd ever experienced before in what way uh, just the professionalism oh, it was okay. like I mean for someone who had never really trained outside of football like I did pre-seasons but it was local you know yeah. and like we, we trained hard but it was to our extent and our knowledge we didn't have access to all the facilities, the gear, the locations. It was just kind of like, there's a hill near your house, run up and down it 50 times. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Do 100 push-ups every day. Yeah. Very easy, fundamental stuff, nothing really technical. But then going to this, it was like, okay, now you're going to go to the gym. Now you're going to start doing weights. Uh, um, now we need to put on size, muscle, really start developing these young boys into yeah. men. And um, it was just the most eye-opening experience ever in terms of a what it would probably take to be a professional rugby league player yeah and then just be the exposing yourself to that world of fitness and regime and yeah being wary of everything from what you're doing every day to what you're eating yeah and just really and i just it's something i probably didn't really understand and i remember i went to training we were just getting flogged every session and I just was thinking, why am I even here? Why am I doing this? Like, I don't, I don't care that much. And it was probably my a few of the my mates that were in my team that were there with me, yeah, who really pulled me under their wing and was like, "You can have a red hot crack at this. We just need you to work." And I've like these guys I played football with when I was kids. Like, I don't know. I guess another thing is I always felt kind of felt like an outsider in rugby league, in the sense of never really. Felt like I belong with those boys, but all those boys were like amazing guys, and I think it was just different upbringings, you know. Oh. And but the, the, so there was nothing they did. No, nothing they did. They were they were all amazing guys. I couldn't speak highly of them all. And 
But I think for some reason I had this mental block where I couldn't fully invest myself into. But from then, I really felt those barriers break down because we were just in the trenches together. Mm. You know? And so initially... Yeah, I think at that point, I'd never really fully bought into what it meant to be a rugby league. Not just yeah. like a professional player, but just a player buy into the team ethos, what it means to work together to sacrifice for one another yeah. you know taking that hit up when no one else wants to take it making that tackle when no one else wants to make the tackle that kind of mentality I didn't really understand until then yeah and you know we we worked for each other we bled for each other and like we're only 16 years old but you just form these bonds that even if I saw any of my old teammates today like we will always stop and say hello check in mm. like say good day. Um, and this is at 16 they'll they were that professional. They're like, all right, let's do it. Oh, they just they just pushed it. I think. I mean, obviously, as you get older, they'll push you harder and harder and yeah. harder. But it was just such a big jump for me that I really struggled to adjust. And then the whole contract information started coming out. Oh, he's been signed on this contract. And at sixteen years old, I was like, sixteen. So we get contracts at sixteen. I had no idea. And I mean, there were probably people listening to this thinking, like, man, what a fool. And I was like, sorry, it was, this is two thousand twelve. Like yeah. the. Social media still wasn't as big as it is. It's nowhere near as big as it is today. And yeah. this information on player salaries, who's on what contract, wasn't as readily available unless you were in the world. Yeah. Back then, it was not really a thing. And um, so, and then I started talking to all these players that are in my position, and they're like, "Oh yeah, they've they've signed me over from Penrith. I'm I'm here on a two year deal." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. So I'm one of three people in my position out of a squad of a hundred that hasn't got a contract." That's not good, but uh, you were thinking that. Oh yeah, and then I also they had a they had a team sheet yeah. of every single player that was there at preseason, and they said it said your name, your height, your weight, and what positions you could play, and you'd see like, yeah, Scott Hogan, one hundred seventy five centimeters, fullback, hooker, you know, Sean Walpole. 180 centimetres, rah, 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 and all the positions that they could play. And then it was just Frank Archella, 183 centimetres, prop. Just the one position, that's it. And I was just like, and I was one of like four players that could only play one position. And I was like, oh man, yeah, I'm up against it here. And I think I let that get into my head in terms uh, of what I could yep. do. But yeah, like I said, these guys, they really, all of them, they all just pull, pulled me in and were like, nah, you can do this. And then kind of make a, a long story short yeah. I end up getting picked as the 35th man in a 35 man squad for the really? team really? yeah so, so what do you mean like so they pick they pick 35 players and um, in Harrowmats it's a little bit different depending on what team you are but Parramatta yeah. like everyone will get a run but it, when it comes up to finals if we make finals then if you're not in that top 17 you're not playing oh, okay and um, I remember I came in and like they don't tell you what your priorities are they just like you've been named in the squad and it's like this is crazy it's unreal I remember <laughs> I was um, I was going up the coast on a on a trip with my friend yeah. and he had a speedboat and we are just going to go chill by the river and do like tubing and stuff like that yeah but where we were going we had no reception so when they released the team we wouldn't be able to see it yeah so they were going to release the team at 10 and we were leaving at 9 and thinking we'd still have reception, but we didn't have any. So from ten from ten to about one, we had no reception where we were. And you're like, oh, and I needed I didn't to get, get I needed to get a landline because we couldn't check. And then I got one, and I called my mum, 
and she was just like, yeah, you made it. You're on the how list. She, wait, how'd she know? Because she saw online. Oh, online. Yeah, yeah, they put it on like the Paramount and New South Wales Rugby League yeah. website. They named the squads. Oh. And um, I remember I was freaking out on the side. I was with my, one of my best mates at the time. And it was amazing because like I had worked so hard and put all this effort in and there were players yeah. that weren't on the list that were contracted but they didn't get in and I did and I was just elated with yeah. um, you know with joy but at the same time my dad <laughs> typical dad could never let a uh, sunrise set on a, on a good day it was just hey just because you're in the squad doesn't mean you made the team and I was like oh. <laughs> thanks dad thank you but he was right he was 100% right because yeah. as soon as we got back in to uh, camp they were like um, said the exact same words just because you're in the squad doesn't mean made the team and yep. um, sure enough for the first uh, the first week I wasn't named I wasn't the extended I wasn't even in the extended squad so um, I, I mean I rocked up to the game it was at Wynn Stadium and we got the fact that like we're 16 years old but we got to play at these stadiums and wear the jerseys and yeah. stuff it totally just can't even describe it it was the most surreal experience ever especially as a Parramatta fan like yeah and they don't give you obviously the same treatment as first graders but like they give you they give you all the gear they buy you boots you've got Gatorade after every game like they Parramatta goes all out and a lot of other teams didn't have that but they we buy were, you boots yeah they bought us they bought the whole team boots wow yeah everyone got a, a fresh pair of white Asics oh yeah yeah have that rural uniform presence yeah. on the team everyone looks the same everyone and that was a big ethos of what we were doing there it just to be a unit and yeah. um, I remember I rocked up to the game and I didn't have my gear with me because I wasn't even named on the extended bench and my coach comes up to me and goes Frank you got your gear? and I was like no why? and he goes what do you mean why? you should always have your gear and I was like well, I wasn't even named in the extended squad he's like Frank if you're in any of my teams or any team going forward you should always have your gear on you just in case you need to play and I was like, why is that? Because our one, because our starting front rower wasn't going to be there, and then yeah. the guy that was going to back him up wasn't going to be there either. And so they need it. And I was like, I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Rebel Sport and buy boots now. I'll do whatever I can. And I was like, oh, we'll just wait and see. And sure enough, the guy ended up rocking up. Oh, okay. But then they needed, then they bring someone else to sit on the bench. But I could have been on the bench that day. But you didn't have your boots, really? Nah. So I didn't have my gear. And I couldn't play. Wow. And uh, I remember I was. Ewing, and I was like, wow, I could have debuted if I just had my gear. And from that day onwards till the till I stopped playing rugby league, I never ever didn't Got bring my bring my boots with me. Even if I wasn't like playing, I would just bring it and leave it in the car. Yeah. Just out of habit. Like even my brother played when he was playing an open age group, I bring them just in case. Really? <laughs> just out of habit. Even though there's no chance I was gonna play. I don't play for a couple of years by that point. But, but you still put it in the bag. Just put it in the bag, just out of habit. Also, in case someone else needs it as well, yeah, like yeah. in case uh, there was a couple of times that that happened. But I remember I was so like just disappointed yeah. that um, I could have debuted. But then, sure enough, the next week the same thing happened again. The front rower was sick and he couldn't play. And he's like, "You got your boots?" And I was like, "Absolutely." And he's like, "Good, because you're debuting off the bench." And you I was, debuted? Yeah, I debuted off the bench against oh. Newcastle, and uh, I was number twenty-three. Yeah, um, which is the jersey that I. Um, no, actually, I have number 20 at home. But, yeah, and got to go out onto the... Um, came off the bench against Newcastle. It was a tough game. We ended up... I think we either lost or we drew. I think we lost that game. We lost to an yeah. intercept late by um, Sione Matiutia for any rugby league fans out there. Oh. 
Um, he played for Newcastle, and he was the, he's yeah. actually the youngest person I think still to ever play for Australia. Really? Yeah. He was what a, was his name? Sione Matiutio. Is he still playing now? He plays in Super League for St. Helens. Oh, okay. He's an edge back rower now, which is interesting because he was yeah. a, a center fullback or wing. Oh, okay. Up. But he was an f- absolutely amazing athlete. And um, yeah, it was kind of cool that my age group, I played with a lot of these guys that played first grade, like um, Tavita Pangai Jr., oh, yeah. Alex Twal, Tyrell Fuimuano, Tom Trebojevic. So some of the guys that are playing now are first grade? First grade, yeah. So, um, yeah, Tom Dvorovic was just an absolute freak back in the day. I was, he was as tall at 16 when he was then. Just I remember I would play a trial against Manly and um, I made a line break and he just spider-monkey-wrapped run- spider me, just jumped at me with his long limbs and I felt like I was just taken. Well, you couldn't net. escape the net. No, no way. And he was like a... A solid boy, yeah. but um, yeah, they, they, a lot of these guys, they were just um, absolute freaks, Yeah, and you knew they were going to make it, but I just kind of, looking back now, it's crazy how many superstars that I've played against or played with that didn't even get a look in. What do you mean? Because um, like, there was a guy um, who I played football with, he, uh, his name was Sonny Huller, and uh, he played at Patrician Brothers Blacktown. Uh, and played at Penrith throughout the lower grades. And funnily enough, my mum actually taught him at Patrician Brothers as well. Wow. And um, it, just a real humble, nice guy. Um, like it, He knew me because my mum taught him, and yeah. um, we played against each other when we were playing in development for Parramatta and Penrith. Yeah. And just an absolute weapon. Just front rower, hard as nails, fit, just kept coming at you all day long. And... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, when I stopped playing football, I lost track of where he was at. I know he went to the Bulldogs eventually, but never, ever made first grade. Oh, really? Yeah, he played for the New South Wales under-16s, under-18s, um, played Australian schoolboys, made the Australian more, uh, merit team. Like, just an absolute weapon, but no, never made it. So what age do the, um, people normally go first grade? First grade, uh, it changes from... I only know one person I used to swim with, Oliver Clark. Yeah, he was in my age group as well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He played for Penrith with Sonny Huller. He was the other front rower. Oh. Yeah. So if you, have, if you ask him about Sonny Huller, he'll tell you. Okay. Hopefully he says the same stuff, but I don't know. Yeah, I think debuted for West Tigers. Yeah, he did debut for the West Tigers. Does he uh, still play? I don't think so. Oh, okay. um, I know he debuted a couple of years back, but yeah. just kind of I'm not too sure what happened to him. Yeah. But yeah, he was another good player too. Just tough as nails. They just hit, loved hitting blokes. <laughs> Really? Like, not punching, like, yeah, just yeah. tackle, just technique. Really, really quality. But, yeah, a lot of these guys, um, yeah, they... So, when did when did you stop? So, f- for me, after... Uh, so, I made Howard Mats and um, ended up making, get earning my way into the grand final team. I get to come off the bench, um, which was... Amazing, had two fantastic games against Penrith in the major semi-final to beat them. And then we beat Newcastle in the grand final, which was amazing mm. and surreal. And that was, for me, like the peak of my rugby league journey to that point. Yeah, being able to put on my team jersey and um, just thrive in that environment. I, was, I felt like I was unstoppable. Mm. But then, um, again, just coming back to the whole mentality of I really didn't know what I had when I had it because 
the next year I had an opportunity to trial for um, SG Boer Yu Young and I decided that it wouldn't be the best idea. Well, that's what at least I think I told myself. Because I still, I'm pretty sure I still went to the trial mm. and then didn't get picked. And I was like, oh, I'll take the year off for school. I won't go trial anywhere else. And then, um, yeah, I didn't trial anywhere else. Graduated high school because I was 17 when I graduated. Yeah. So then I could tr- do SG Ball outside of school, which was yeah. great. But then coming up, we had a pretty solid year um, that year at club. And uh, went to trial for Parramatta again. You know, went to the trials, did all right. Um, and then the coach, I remember there was one of the guys, one of the managers said, because I had a manager at this point, I had been approached, and the guys, one of the guys who was uh, Lottie Takiri's manager actually, oh, yeah. signed me up. And uh, I was with him, and he was telling me that the, the offers from the West Tigers and from the Bulldogs to go play for them and I told the manager at Parramatta and he said to me oh, don't don't go to those trials just stay with us you'll be in the team don't worry about it so I didn't go to those trials and then I went to the um, the Parramatta trial and then sure enough when uh, they named the squad I was not in it and you got I, betrayed not, no not necessarily betrayed um, or you just took their word I just took their word for what it is, and like I'm, I think from what I was told, like a new coach got brought in, and and if I'm being completely honest with myself, I probably had gone into the trial underdone. I probably wasn't oh, yeah. at a peak performance level, but I still, you know, when you're hurt, you're hurt, and you looked, you're looking to point the finger and all the rest of it. And even the coach who took over the Parramatta Eels at that time was actually the a club a club coach from my club. Oh yeah. So I thought for sure that I would have an in there. And then, um, yeah, no, didn't didn't end up working out. And uh, I was there and then really considering just not playing rugby league anymore because I was just so devastated and so blown away. But So you only get picked once a year, hey? They only do trials once a year, yeah. So you'd have to wait a whole another year. Well, technically, in my eyes, it was done because yeah. um, SG Ball's only under 18. So. Oh, yeah, true. So I was only 18 once, and realistically, trying to make a 20 another 20 system, which was what it was back in the day, if you didn't play SG Ball, it was quite difficult. You needed to have a pretty good manager to oh, okay. to get in there. So, yeah, I uh, I didn't didn't make it, and I was really just down in the dumps. And um, and my manager said, "Hey, I've got a potential offer for you to go to the Roosters." How do you feel about that? And I was so just down in the dumps about it. I said, I said, oh, I don't know. We'll just, um, let's finish. Let's just round off the year. Cause it was like nearly Christmas by that point. I said, let's round off the year and we'll check in with it next year. And um, so I, I didn't pass on the offer, but essentially what I should have done in hindsight is jump straight on that because yeah. I didn't. And mind you, that was the team that had Joseph Manu, Latrell Mitchell and Victor Radley. Wow. And they won the comp that year. So. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but not saying I would have even made the team or anything yeah. like that. But even just to be in the squad with those guys would have been unreal. But anyway, um, didn't end up working out and got a contract offer with uh, North Sydney, North Sydney Bears. Yeah. So I went to them, uh, did preseason with them, and ended up getting. Uh, there's a story there too, but we won't go into it because it's a long story. But eventually, I ended up getting cut from there as well for. A, not even ability reasons, just political reasons. 
Oh, really? There was Yeah, there's an issue there with one of the managers and just wanted me gone. And I remember they made the cuts after a trial against Manly again. And I'm, they had like a leadership group and I was in the leadership group. And they read out every name and then my name was the last on the list. And I was like, where's this coming from? Like, why would you put me in a leadership group only to cut me? Yeah. And yeah, it was a political thing. And again, at that point, I was like, why am I doing this? I'm just continually failing and not really getting my head around it. And then at that point, I thought, no, there's no chance I'll be making anything now. And then I got a last minute phone call. I'm pretty sure the season was just about to start, but... That friend of mine who pulled me from Guildford to Hills way back when I was like 12 or 13 was like, hey, I'm in, I'm in WA playing SG Ball. They, they would fly to Sydney and versus the Sydney team, so like yeah. Parramatta, all those guys. And, but they were based there. And he's like, we need a front row because our front row just got ruled out for the season. Do you want to come around? And I said, sure, why not? So I ended up going over there to Perth it was a very quick turnaround mm. and um, I lived with a bunch of boys and it was great didn't but as soon as I got there I was like oh this is this isn't professional like even going from Parramatta to North Sydney like it yeah. wasn't the same level but it was still somewhat professional but then going yeah. there um, it was a great bunch of guys absolutely amazing bunch of guys but just the the development that we had like we had a 16 year old in our team yeah. playing against under 18 year old uh, 18 year 18 years old in the front row position as well and I'm like this kid's oh, okay. gonna get creamed yeah and they were good they were guys with good ability there and um, people had come from that system into the first grade like Wanga Blake for the Paramount Eels he came through, through yeah. there um, I think the Goodwin brothers back in the day so there were a few but yeah it was just so when was the eventual final cut? That, well, that, well, I made that team, played the season, came home. And then I think from there, that's when the downfall started because I just, the motivation just started to leave. Yeah. And then, um, my last year was when I was 20, I think I was 21 years old. So, um, yeah, about five, six years ago now. And... I was I was only playing I was playing semi professional football for my club and the Sydney Shield and Ron Massey Cup and um, I got suspended uh, and it was a long suspension which would have taken me out for the rest of the year mm. and I'd never been suspended before never even been simming before and I remember just thinking I went to the trial and all I had was like our team manager and when I got to the trial they had a, a lawyer. A New South Wales represent, a rugby league representative, an ARL representative, all convicted me for this thing that I didn't even do. And it was just like, why, why do I even bother with this? So at that point, I decided to give it all up mm. and just, you know, went from a life of training four or five times a week, watching what I'm eating, being part of that team environment to nothing just cut, quit cold turkey left my team in the middle at the back end of the season because I wasn't going to play again yeah. so I just told my coach I won't be showing up and if I'm being honest with myself I hate how I did that because even though I wasn't playing I still should have been there yeah just for the boys run water do something because like they were guys I'd literally been fr- mates with for the last 10 years and I just left them high and dry so, so that's then, uh, yeah how'd it go after that like because it I guess the next part we'll run through is like mental health and training. Like, how did that sort of taper off after that? Oh, right. it was for 
pretty big pitfall if I'm being completely honest like part of me was like hell yeah I don't have to go to training anymore I can just do what I want I can eat what I want I can hang out with whoever I want to hang out yeah. with do whatever I want to do on the weekends because I've never never had weekends before yeah from like when I was 10 years old I was always football on Saturday or football on Sunday yeah and then up till I was 21 I was still doing that and it was very much like I can do whatever I want now and I just kind of fell off the wagon big time you know totally stopped talking to all the guys I played football with um, unless I saw them out and mm. I remember I'd see them out and they'd be like what are you doing here you don't do you don't go out to these places and I was like oh, I guess I'm here now yeah and then it got to the point where they weren't there anymore but I was still going to those places uh, okay and it was just like a yeah from like 21 to about 23 I think it was just like just leading up to COVID, I was just not caring about what I was doing, how I was treating my body. Mm. And it was just like, I think in so many things throughout our lives, when you've gone so hard a certain way and you decide not to go that way anymore, you always just double back on itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I felt like that's what I had done in the sense of I had spent my whole teenage years training, dedicating everything I had to football only for it to not work out and then just kind of realize well what the hell am I going to do now yeah so I didn't really know what I was going to do work wise I didn't know what I was going to do um, career life I had no real idea direction momentum and it was very much like a dark time for my life because I was like what the hell do I do now because it was in your head like alright footy 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 yeah it, it, yeah it was but it was also like I didn't know what I had when I had it yeah and if I had like people say you don't have regrets I do I do regret um, how I treated my rugby league career like I've, I reckon I could have had a more decent crack than what I did but mm. at the same time it's taught me a lot of valuable lessons in terms of you know what it means to put yourself through that type of work and what the the goals of that can show and what the achievements yeah. will be like and I mean even more recently our a Someone that was at Parramatta when I was there was Kayser Pritchard. And he played first grade for Parramatta. I think he played, played like 120 games or something. So I had a really good run. And he was there in the SG Ball when I was in Howard Matz. And he came into my um, workplace. And when I was uh, working for a home building company selling home designs, and he came in. And I hadn't seen him since, obviously, we were there, but I watched him on TV play football, and he walked in, he recognised me straight away, which was unreal. Yeah. Because um, his first grade footballer coming up to me and saying hello. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. And then we just, yeah, we talked about the old days, and he had to, unfortunately, he had to retire because he had too many head knocks. Yeah. And I remember talking to him, like, um, what did you, like, what happened when you retired? He's like, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. He's like, I had put everything in rugby league, and I had nothing to fall back on. And he was just a, I think he's just a, um, a crane, uh, a pilot now, whatever they're called, driver. Yeah. But um, he yeah, manages, ma- manages the uh, the cranes at build sites, and he said it took a long time for him to get to there. Hmm. And I, at that's in, in that stage of my career outside of football, I had worked for I'd been a travel agent, I had worked in the building industry, but COVID both times had thrown me into loops and. Um, but from there, it was just a really good indicator because I'd finally got into a good spot in my career yeah. where I was like, 
I'm glad that I have, was able to course correct. Mm. And that was kind of the beginning of my decision to start pulling myself back into, all right, let's start addressing some of these problems. Because from my playing weight was at football, I was around 110 kilos to 120. Yeah. And then I've just blown way past that since um, <laughs> going to stop playing football, two COVIDs. Yeah, like I got in the scales at the end of last year and just what thought, wow, mm. I did not think it would be that bad. But it was the shock I guess I needed to realize that, all right, I've been on cruise control long enough. It's time to start taking control back yeah. in this area of my life. Yeah. So was it hard to go and do that? Because a lot of people, I think, find it hard to get out of that. Oh, it took its time for sure. I mean, like I've, I mean, for people who knew me, from back then till now like it's not it's quite obvious that I've put on a decent amount of weight and um, not to the point where I think people would overly concern but you just have to look at photos and it's like yeah. wow that, that that is a completely different human being but I just always thought oh it's not that bad it's not that bad and then I think it just got to a point where it was that bad that was kind of like the shock for me and the honest moment that I had was my brother got married last year and at, at Italian weddings, they have a traditional dance called a tarantella, which um, is essentially just a bunch of people in a circle uh, running running around, dancing, kicking their feet out. And then you have like the group and like someone in the middle and they'll be having like a one-on-one dance. It's yeah. meant to resemble like a knife fight. It's a very cool thing. Um, hopefully you see their wedding one day. But yeah. I was doing that with my brother and I remember thinking to myself, no matter what, I'm not stopping. I'm doing this dance. And we did it together, and they always do it twice. And I got through the first one okay, but then when we went through the second one, I was so out of breath, I thought that I, I was going to pass out. I was sitting on the side of the wedding, just my chest was in so much pain. Um, I was very, very concerned. And I remember mm. just thinking, this is not how I want to live. Yeah. To the point where all I'm trying to do is dance with my brother at his wedding, and I can barely do that. Yeah, because you want to remember it, and then it's like... Like no, good no. time, right? And then you're exactly. And I was just—it it was really just raw moment for me of just like, nah, this is this is not me. This is not who I am. This is not who I want to be. And it was from that moment that I spoke to my uh, my cousin Luke, your former employee, yeah, and said I want to come to the gym and I need a PT because for me I. Even though I know how to train, like I know how to train, I've done yeah. it my whole life. I know how to lift weights, I know how to lose weight, and cardio, what to eat, stuff like that. But for me, a PT isn't about that. A PT is about accountability. Hmm. And that's the thing that I have always struggled with my entire life is being accountable. Not really to other people, because other people, you could talk to most of my friends and family and stuff and say, oh, he, Frank will he'll never let you down. But it's just about being accountable to myself. Yes. And not letting myself down not put, and being able to put my priorities first, that's something I've never really done because I was always just focused on helping everybody else that I never really took time for myself. And now, this year, it's been an absolute banger of a journey. And mm. now I'm in a position where I'm lifting the same weights that I was lifting when I was playing rugby league. And, with, and going on from next week onwards... More. It's uh, it's all new personal records. Yeah. Which, like, 
I mean, you can atone for it yourself, but when I did the 140 kilo bench and the 200 kilo squat, it was way more surreal than all the other PBs before it because yeah. like those numbers I'd lifted before when I was at football, but even even though they taught us how to lift weights, it was very much just rugby league mentality, brute force, go to you can't. But here with technique, with understanding, like I know that I'm not as strong as I was when I was playing rugby league, but through technique, I can. I'm already at that level. Yeah. So, as my strength continues to grow, like the numbers are insane. But in the end, I don't really care what the number is. Mm. It's just a goal that I've set for myself that I wanted to achieve, and yeah. I achieved it. Yeah. And that yeah, that was last week. Hey, it was last week. Oh man, you were happy. I was in a great mood. I was in a very good mood, and you know, like that's all. That's really what it comes down to for me is proving to myself that I can achieve goals that I've set for myself. Yeah. Regardless of number or anything like that. Like when I first came to the gym, I remember it was just, just turn up, just turn up. Like, who cares what you do? Like. You're going to get flogged anyway, so just turn up and just sit on the bench and breathe the whole time. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You, you don't have to do that anymore. No, no, I, I remember that, actually. Like, I'll be like... Yeah, well, the, my very... What Dad's talking about is the very yeah. first session we did was... Um, Brad, right? Yeah, with Brad. And we were just doing squats, and I did one set of 10 reps, but like fit 60 kilos yeah it was well doable it was very doable for someone that's my size and I was on the floor couldn't breathe just gassed and I remember I was so embarrassed myself and um I was talking about it with a friend of mine the other day James and um he was like we are we're very talkative in the gym now but for the first six months of the gym I didn't really talk to anyone and he was asking me why and I was like well, it's not that I'm shy. Like, you ask me anything, I'll tell you. It's just that I couldn't breathe. So <laughs> I had no energy to actually talk to anyone. And I get these people come up to me and be like, I really like your shirt. I'm like, oh, thanks. Thanks, dude. <laughs> just give me two minutes so I can get my breath back. So, like, yeah. And But now, even, like, I might not have shifted as much weight as I would have liked, but I, I don't. that's not never been the focus. Yeah. The focus initially was just showing up, being consistent. And that yeah. is the one piece of advice I will say to anyone when it comes to yeah, just starting. One. Like anyone, advice for someone in not even a similar situation, doesn't have to be rugby, but someone that's like, man, I want to do something for myself. I want to do it. Yeah, well, that's 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 it. I think, I mean, talking to, pe- like, talking to people outside the gym of like, people have taken notice how how my whole attitude has changed hmm. you know I've, I've had people come up to me and say like, what are you doing that's different like what's going on here like you seem a lot more happier and or hmm. more energetic and more keen to do things and it's because of this and like anyone that's like struggling or um going through troubles when it comes to weight or even just fitness and stuff like that or how they look just like coming to the gym it's not about getting stronger, putting on muscle and, you know, trying to recreate Arnold Schwarzenegger or anything like that. It's literally just about showing up and proving to yourself that you can do these things. Because mm. in the end, when it comes to the gym, it all falls down on you. There's nobody else. There's no other factors. There's um, just yourself, the gym room, and whatever you're willing to push yourself to do. Because the, you're your own barrier when it comes to your potential. Yeah. 
and that's something I really believe in terms of it's so easy for you to let someone to put boundaries on yourself and tell you what your limits are and it's like stuff that what do you mean I'm going to be 6 foot 3 150 kilos my whole life no no way Hmm. I'm going to change that and I'm going to prove these people wrong but not for them but for me because you prove to yourself that you are capable and that's the one thing uh, that breaks my heart when I see people that say they can't do something I'm always like why yeah. Why can't you do this? Why can't you go overseas? Why can't you get this job? I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen if you go for it? You fail? Well, you learn what to do next time. And mm. it's funny because you get taught this stuff your whole life from when you're a kid, but no one, you just can't understand it until you've gone through it. And it's that, like I said before, when you've gone 100%, 110% one way and you stop that, you're going to fall back just as hard. So yeah. what coming to the gym for me has done it's provided me with a solid enough foundation that if I'm struggling, I know that I've got people that I can lean on. Mm. I can come to you. I can go to Nathan. I can go to Brad. I can go to Harry. I can go yeah. to Max. Like all these guys that I've trained with. And you guys will help me when it comes to technique or anything, even just to have a chat. Like, fire, we talk all the time when we're in the gym and Always. to the point where it pisses Nathan off. So yeah. stuff you, Nathan. You get over it. <laughs> I love our chats. But um, that's what, in particular, I will say X-Gym provides. Like, it's a place where everyone feels welcome and safe. And, you know, I love how when someone's going for a PB, you know, it doesn't matter if it's 50 kilos or 150 kilos, everyone just stops and we just cheer them on. I remember one of my first sessions here, I saw... um, How do I say this correctly? (laughs) Someone who's a little bit older that you wouldn't expect in the gym. Yeah doing like a 70 kilo deadlift and everyone was just going nuts and it was great and she was so amped that she did it yeah and um that's the stuff that we that i love just building each other up doesn't matter like when if you see like someone like me you know squatting 200 kilos it's like yeah that's great but like i love it when i see people who they're five foot seven and are deadlifting as much as i am that's, that's what cool. I that's what yeah. I love. And I'm like these people that are just proving to themselves and to everyone, it's like, don't you put limits on me because I can achieve whatever I set my mind to do. Wow, break all limits, eh? Yeah, absolutely. That's what X Gym's all about. Mm. No, that's so true. Like I guess everyone puts barriers on themselves, right? Like yeah. they'll be like, Oh that but that I don't know. Anyone could say about I hear it all the time, like, yeah, but that's that's this person, I'm not like them. It's like do you think they started like this? No. No. I mean, even in terms of like athletes, like there's so many athletes out there that like, um, like I, I'll even use Tom Jabojevich as an example. Like he, as a kid, he was playing so many different sports and that he just had that natural ability, right? Yes. Like someone that's gifted and there's so many, so few people in our generation that have just been given a gift of athleticism that doesn't matter what they're playing, they're just going to absolutely kill themselves to get there. Yeah. Right? Uh, uh, so not kill themselves, they're going to glide through it. Yeah. But then you get someone that's like a Cooper Cronk, for example, who's a Melbourne Storm former, uh, retired halfback. But he came through great and he was like, didn't even know what position he was playing. Like, he, I think initially he was a centre. Oh, yeah. Right? And... When he retired, he was one of the greatest halfbacks we've ever seen. But that is an example of someone that has had to work 
their entire career to be the type of player that they want to be. And everyone's got a different story. Everyone's got a different capabilities. But it's just about what you're comfortable with yourself, even in how you look as well. Like, if you're comfortable in your own skin, then that should be enough. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Mm. And that's something that I've really learned as well in this last 12 months of that. When you set your... When you know what your core values are and what's important to you, and you live by those values, you're naturally going to be drawn to people that have the same. And funnily enough, at, at our gym, I really feel like a lot of the people that we train with are in that similar mindset of just like, we're there to better ourselves. And it's such a unique experience. And um, I, I think, on a, I mean, at least for me on a personal level, it's really helped me just push through some pretty serious stuff. And mm. to the point where now, like, back in the day, I, if I had something going on, I was like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym. I have to deal with this. Yeah. Now it's like, no, I'm going to the gym. That can wait. Because mm. that's going to help me just mentally decompress yeah. and just come at the problem with a fresh set of eyes and not have to be stressed about everything that's going on and yeah. it's so much more than just yeah doing stuff for your body it's doing stuff for your mind because if you can have a healthy mind first getting a healthy body is so much easier yeah I agree completely yeah I'm obviously still well on that journey you know I'm, I've got a long way to go but like I said on you know Nate's Instagram post you guys have given me the foundation that I feel I need to be successful in this and wow. yeah can't wait for what's next well, thanks for that. We gotta wrap it up there. <laughs> no worries. Cheers. That was perfect. Fantastic. I, I learned a lot as well. So, thanks for coming on. And that's the UHP podcast. Thank you, Frank. No problem. <laughs>